All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 15th day of January 2019. And I always like to remind you that I'm also the author of a newsletter. Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can subscribe to that by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. The feature uh, in that letter is predominantly exploration companies, gold and silver primarily, but not exclusively. We do cover some other things, and that leads me to telling you that my friend Chen Lin is going to be with me in the second segment of today's show. Chen uh, writes a newsletter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? He's had a remarkable track record in terms of picking stocks and, and uh, investing, I would say uh, investing and also trading. He's sort of a mixture of the two, and uh, he's, he's done very, very well, especially in the biotech sector, and I think he might have a couple of things to talk to us about when we get to Chen Lin in the second segment of today's show. Also, uh, Michael Oliver, M- OliverMSA.com. Make sure you go there and check out Michael's work. We'll be talking to him momentarily about how he sees the markets at this point in time. We do want to thank you for listening to the show, making it one of the more popular shows on the Voice America Business Channel. Also, uh, invite you to keep your questions, comments, criticisms, and praises coming along to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. We do want to thank our sponsors because without them, we would not have a show. Our sponsors for today are in resources, Novo Resources, Triumph Gold, Gold Mining Inc., Uranium Energy, and Klondike Gold Corp. I've titled today's show, An Unconventional View of the World with Bob Moriarty. Robert Moriarty visits for the first time. Chen Lin, Michael Oliver are with me, as I just noted. Robert is a most colorful, creative, controversial, but fascinating person that you will, the most, I think, in those areas that you will ever meet. He put an explanation point in his career as a Vietnam pilot by flying a small plane under the Eiffel Tower. Goodness, if you've ever been there, you wonder how he could achieve that. Robert was born in New York in 1946. He began training as a military pilot in 1965 and became the youngest naval aviator during the Vietnam War in 1966. With two years in Vietnam and some 832 missions in combat, he left the Marine Corps in 1970. He worked in computers for a few years before beginning a second career as a ferry pilot delivering small airplanes all around the world. He made over 240 ocean crossings, mostly in single-engine airplanes. He holds 14 international aviation records. 
Bob and his wife, Barb, are the proprietors of the very popular 321 Gold website, as well as 321 Energy. Bob has been uh, very close to Quentin Henning and is not only Dr. Henning's uh, noble resources, but also a couple of the other startup exploration companies like Irving Resources and Merrimont Resources, uh, which we may be able to get some comments from him on time, uh, time allowing later today. Well, Robert will be with me during the uh, during the second half of today's show. And as I mentioned, Chen Lin will be with me after the first commercial break. But right now, as uh, almost always, I'm really pleased to say that Michael Oliver is with me again, OliverMSA.com. Thank you, Michael, for joining me again. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. It's always good to have you here. Now, equity prices, wow, they're very stubborn. They they don't seem to want to go down. And I've had a lot of people saying, well, after that, uh, those sharp declines last year, maybe we've seen the bottom. Maybe we've had enough of a decline. Maybe we've had enough of a correction. What's your read? No, I think uh, it's just like, so far it's behaving very similar to the 2000 top and to the 2007, 2008 top, uh, which were laborious slabs on the downside, very rapid, followed by uh, double-digit percent rallies over several weeks at a time, uh, three or four rallies in each case. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had our October crash, mini crash. We had a sharp up after that into November. Then we came down hard, tried to hold the October low, and then flushed in December down to levels that uh, MSA had predicted were pivotal. And they held those levels. Now they shot back up. Uh, the rally is getting a little tired uh, by our metrics. Uh, its persistence, I think, is a psychological issue for a lot of investors. You know, one or two-day rally doesn't impress people. When you get four, five, six, they start to feel like, oh, my, I'm wrong. It's going back up. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, and so it's psychological, I think, to some extent, the firmness that we've had. But if you look mm-hmm. at the charts, the firmness we've had for about the last five days has all been right around our toes, <laughs> where we've been trading today. Just mm-hmm. below 2,600, just above it. You know, it's it's really not been gaining ground for the last week. It gained big ground in the first two weeks of the rally. But after mm-hmm. that, it stalled, and there's some reasons for that. But no, I don't think this rally is a trend changer. I think it's just yet another confusing bounce after a topping. A topping has already occurred, and the declining process has not fully taken over in the sense of capitulation. Uh, and I, I think that's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, you're certainly your charts, uh, your structural your, your charts that show the structure when it's broken down, it's, it's very clear. It's very easy for people to follow your work, Michael, I think, and it's very, very helpful to me, I must say. Uh, what about gold? Um, now, gold and silver, uh, in the other direction, you're bullish on those. Uh, and you've gotten quite constructive on gold recently, suggesting that something above 1350, I think you're, you're saying um, – your momentum work suggests that that should trigger us to some much higher numbers if we can get through yeah, that our resistance. Momentum level. triggers have already been a, triggered uh, mostly uh, on the upside. It started at 1,200 after the August low, which is 1,161. We got above 1,200. Mm-hmm. We issued our first buy. The next buy came up in the 1,240s, and our final buy, two weeks ago, just above 1,280. Now, since then, gold has been caught at a tight fist of action for about two and a half weeks now, between mm-hmm. 1,300 on the upside and high 1270s on the low side. It, but it's a very tight little fist of price chart action. If you can see it on a price chart even. Uh, I think it's probably one of these psychological things. that 1300 crowd came out and said, well, let's sell there. That's too high. Yeah. Um, it's possible. 
possible we, there's a lot of folks talking the technicians even uh, orthodox technicians that we need a correction this is too much you know, all of our indicators are overbought the orthodox indicators and mm-hmm. i don't agree uh, while i could see a quick little stab here on the downside maybe one that takes out the recent lows the, the 1270 stuff but gets down maybe to high 1260s that's possible but i think if it's going to happen it better happen quick like in the next day or two, because if it doesn't happen in the next day or two, I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're just going to go zapping through that 1300. And I think it's going to wake a few people up. But the real chart level for most people who look at price charts is that 1350, 1360 level, because there's a trend line on a price chart going back to 2014 across every single high since then. It's almost flat. It says you get above that and you've blown out a massive price chart structure that will excite the price guys. Uh, our momentum comparable levels of breakout have already occurred. Right. So our bias is that momentum is now in the lead and price will follow the momentum and go through its own version of the breakout, which is up there above 1350. So uh, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I've I just been observing your work in many different markets that you, that you follow. Uh, that seems to be usually the case, that your momentum indicators lead in one direction, in either direction. Uh, and so, for example, the famous, uh, you got people out, I think something like $180 earlier in the bear market for gold than most chartists would. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I've, I've noticed this, and this is what I think. And, and, and sometimes, you know, oh, good, we're through that level now. I hope we're going to have a real quick run-up. And sometimes it takes a long time for things to develop. But uh, I'm convinced that, for the most part, I'm confident when you, when you make a call like that, I don't have to worry too much about the downside if you've seen a, an established structure and so forth. So, I mean, I, this is why I have you on every week. You've just been so helpful Thank to me, you. and I'm sure lots of the people that listen to this show. I have to ask you, um, I think you put out something recently on the dollar uh, because, you know, we look at gold and the sort of inverse relationship most of the time between the dollar and gold. Um the dollar ready for, you think it's, it's topping out here in this counter-trend rally? I think rally? it's topped out. Yeah, the uh, rally we had from middle of last year to late last year, actually it was seven months of rally, but most of it occurred in about two or three months, mid-year. And then it ground to a halt up there at the uh, dollar index uh, at 96 and then 97, uh, almost got up to 98. But it was really on a long, long-term charts of the dollar, even on a price chart, it was a rally back up to a mean, the mean being an annual mean of the three-year moving average, which it had held above for several years back in uh, 2015, 16, 17. Uh, it broke through it in May of 2017. That's when we went bearish, actually, before it broke through the three-year average. But this whole rally back up last year, last half of last year, was just a rally to the underside of the violated three-year average. And that's where mm-hmm. it basically ground to a halt. And the mm-hmm. rollover we've had the last few weeks is enough for us to be convinced that, okay, that counter-trend rally, it's a big one, but still it was counter-trend to the major trend, uh, is over. And so I think that the issue of the dollar as a factor for gold, I think it's now shifted uh, out of being a nuisance for gold, presumably. Mm-hmm. But actually, if you look at it, it isn't. <laughs> because while the dollar was up there from August, September, October, hanging around its highs, what was gold doing? Rallying yeah, it's rising, the whole yeah. time. So those who were fixed on the dollar weren't buying gold when it came off the August-September lows. They couldn't buy it because they were fixated on the dollar being steady, firm. And it was mm-hmm. a total mistaken notion. And it often is. But right now our view is the dollar is now uh, broken enough to 
I don't think it'd be rapid necessarily, but that it's now rolling over from that counter trend rally. All right, so a little breeze, a little breeze, if not a wind at yeah. the back of gold, possibly. It help gold. Um, Michael, you you have been last year. You were very bullish on agricultural commodities. Is that still the case? Mm-hmm. I, I think they're an investment grade buy, not a speculative buy where you know you buy and three weeks later you cash out, but something uh-huh. to just basically say this is done. It's not going any lower. The issue then is, well, when is it going to go higher? Well, we're getting evidence from enough markets uh, on some long-term indicators that they're going higher. They've already emerged. Uh, wheat would be one. Sugar is one. Uh, cattle is another. Uh, that just recently occurred. Uh, and all these markets, unlike copper and oil, which had big bear market, post-bear market rallies in 2016 and 17 and into mm-hmm. this year, they didn't. The foods didn't. They stayed down near their bases. And I think those bases are now uh, proven to be the bottom. And a lot of these food markets are just, they're priced very low, historically speaking. And mm-hmm. I think it's a situation where you say it isn't going to go to zero. It's got a base. Mm-hmm. Ignore all the so-called fundamental negative news, oversupply. That, that changes rapidly, especially right. in the food markets. And, and just assume this is it. Uh, you want to buy something cheap and hold it for three years and, and make a good percent with very little risk? Mm-hmm. because they've depleted on the downside. I think uh, the grains, uh, sugar, uh, some markets like that are worth considering. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. All right, well, uh, just uh, 30 seconds. Uranium uh, is looking more constructive uh, yes. to you now. What, we any comments quickly? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, just, it's basically what I just said about foods. You can say about uranium. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, it, it collapsed off the page uh, and based for several years at price levels nobody believed. You know, sub-cost of production, definitely. And uh, as far as we're concerned, when it came up through $23, $24 in the middle of last year, and then finally over twenty-seven ninety late last year in November, that broke out over its three-year average, which happened to be structurally important. It was like a big base underneath that average. Uh, it's now broken out. As far as I'm concerned, it's a... Uh, I echo what I said about foods. It's been ground to theoretical zero. It's not going any lower. It now says I want to go up. And there, but the problem is the futures market in uranium is very liquid. It's a good right. thing to measure by, but you can't really trade it. So you go right. to the the uh, oil, I mean the uranium producing companies, and there's not a lot yeah. of them. But, no, uh, there aren't. You know, there's, you know, and you you, you in fact have uh, some that you, you, yes. you're aware of. <laughs> y- uranium <laughs> Energy Corporation is a sponsor yeah. of this show, and it's ready to start producing with a little bit higher uranium prices so uh michael we'll have to leave it go with that thank you so much for being with us again and we'll look to do it again next week hopefully all right folks well uh we do have to go to break now but don't go away because chen lin's going to be with me he has some uh, very exciting stories to tell us uh, some biotech stocks uh, maybe an energy and a gold stock or two and um he's he's looking at companies that are that are ready to uh, well that have some trigger points or some uh some uh things that are happening that could cause them to be very exciting in the near term. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Chen Lin. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under NVO. 
Its flagship assets are located in the Karatha region of Western Australia, where they are currently drilling and trenching their Purdy's reward project. In addition, Novo has partnered with Sumitomo Mining Corporation to advance its Beaton's Creek Gold Project toward production. With over $70 million in cash and strong shareholder support from the likes of Kirkland Lake Gold, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again my friend and partner, Chen Lin. Um, Chen has been a very successful investor. He's been on this show many times in the past, and I'm really glad that he could join me again. Thanks for being with us today, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. I'm so good. To always you, you always have so, so many intriguing ideas and things that you are really interested in, and you you wanted to talk to me today about a couple of the uh, of the stocks that you think have are at that point where they may have some news that could really drive them uh, drive them higher now. And the first one uh, I'd like to ask you about a couple of the biotechs. First of all, starting out with uh, Alderia uh, Aldera Therapeutics. It's a, a new name to me actually. I know you've been covering it and writing about it for some time, but ALDX trades uh, in the in the US and uh, it's at nine dollars and forty cents earlier today at least it was up 50 cents today uh, and they're involved with uh, allergic conjunctivitis uh, a, um, a solution for that problem which afflicts something like 20 percent of the world's population I didn't realize dry eye or, or problems similar to that tell us about that and why you think uh, it's time maybe has come Oh, hi, Jay. Uh, this company has been for many, many years. I've been going through the, uh, all the different phases, and this is, uh, this is it. This is a phase three uh, of their trial. They're going to release results, uh, hopefully this month. I hope this month, and uh, if it's positive, will be a most significant in the company's uh, little history. Uh, I've been trading that for quite a few years, and I got, you know, every year I got almost got a double two years ago and then last year, and then I got back again uh, after their big spike uh, to 16, and then I about got back when they do a financing, 13 and a half, I got back a lower the financing price. But it turned out, and last year was so brutal, actually went down all the way to eight or seven, 
at the mm-hmm. bottom of December. Now it's uh, getting close. So the bottom line is, okay, so if they got this uh, phase three, which is the first of the three phase three results they're going to release this year, uh, they will be likely a takeover target for uh, for large big farmer. You know, we mm-hmm. know that quite a few mergers and, and big farmer can pay billions of dollars for a successful drug candidate, especially blockbuster status. So, uh, so that that's the excitement, and uh, I expect the last year was only phase two results. Okay, it's back to sixteen, and then if this is a uh, uh, this is it, I expect them to go to much higher. Mm-hmm. So uh, nine dollars and forty cents up fifty cents today. Is there any particular news today that's driven the stock? Or no, not really. I think it's mm-hmm. just people are just getting ready for the results. It has been a little pullback. Right, mm-hmm. had some pullback uh, recently, and then today it's a rebound. So, uh, so it, it's it just like you know the typical market. I don't think market know anything much about that because mm-hmm. you see the volume is very low. Okay, and then mm-hmm. if you see that previous last year's volume to uh, to sixteen, the volume was twenty one million. Okay, today even today up five percent, they only like. Uh, Less than a hundred thousand. Right, so it's a very low volume. The market don't know what's going on. It's mm-hmm. below the radar of most of the traders. But mm-hmm. if they really deliver, that's my mm-hmm. finger, keep my finger crossed. If they really deliver, it's a lot of upside. So that's one of those I was looking for for the new year. I've been I've been adding to as I told my subscribers in the past month mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. finger crossed. Well, I mean, what kind of upside? Let's say they're really successful in phase three, and what do you see—a double or triple or something bigger? Well, if this result come out, probably double or triple, uh, depending mm-hmm. on market condition. But if really a major farmer want to buy it because you know they saw the data, think it can be approved by the FDA for the dry eye indication, you know, Allegan, right? In order mm-hmm. to protect their dry eye patent, they went to Indian tribe, right? That's what's big news last last year. Unfortunately, they're uh-huh. going to be invalidated, so their patent will expire this year. It's one of their, the second largest uh, uh, drug uh, revenue source, so they probably want something, and then this yeah. uh, the, the sales for the allegans over one billion in dry eye, over one mm-hmm. billion a year. So, in that situation, usually the big farmer willing to pay a few times of the annual sales, so that's mm-hmm. this all right. It can be a, a few billion, I mean, many, many times of the current We'll have to keep our eyes on that one, Chen. And uh, another one that I personally own, so I'm really going to listen about this one, Acasti Pharma, uh, eight trades in the United States under ACST. Uh, it's eight, as I said, down seven cents earlier today anyway. Tell us about that one. You're, you're really, it's one of your favorites, I know. Yeah, it's my favorite. It's a Creole. You, I've been in Creole for five years, uh, more than five years. Uh, my, I try it personally, very effectively. We control the cholesterol. My family, I heard your family did too. I mean, a lot of friends told come back say it's very effective, and I was able to compare with their current trial results. It's very consistent. So it's one of those things. Actually, you know, it's working. And uh, they did recently. You can, if you look at the Amarin, uh, Amarin is a uh, five billion, mm-hmm. six five to six billion dollars. That rumor is Pfizer going to buy it. Okay, so Pfizer has ten billion war chest, so probably buy it. So, but this one, a very tiny company, a hundred million company, is going to be the the key competitor to Amarin. So you think about the upside. Uh, if Amarin was 
they have to, if they buy it, they have to pay a premium, right? Eight, nine billion. And then this little company fully funded to phase three. They have two phase three coming at the end of this year, before the end of one, likely in Q3, likely in Q4. So, so the, you see the upside can be tremendous, right? So the, that's, that's, the key is just wait for the data. And then they will have a research report coming. My understanding is this, this month. So this mm. will be first ever, first ever research report by, by U.S.-based um, firm. It's a, it was a Canadian company right now just in the process moving towards the U.S., uh, more U.S.-based company and then with more U.S. investor. The largest uh, investor is my friend uh, George Haywood. He's mm-hmm. successfully turned around another company called Sereptica. Actually, it's one of my best, biggest wins. Yes, indeed. We know Sarepta well from your uh, past uh, appearances on the show, Chen. Congratulations on that. And it was a very uh, heartwarming story, too, because it's, uh, it saves the lives of a lot of young, young men that would otherwise die. So it's, uh, congratulations on that. Um, so, uh, okay, well, there's, I know you, you cover a lot of pharmaceuticals, a lot of, uh, a lot of the uh, biotech stories, and, and certainly, but you also cover a lot of energy stories, too. Uh, Transatlantic Petroleum is one of your favorites at a dollar six. Trades in the U.S. under the symbol T A T A Tata. Uh, what's the story there? Why do you like that one so much? Well, the uh, Transatlantic and another company called Valara has uh, yes. a big acreage in in Turkey, which uh-huh. can be the biggest, likely be the biggest discovery of fracking. You know, discovery in Europe, the first success in fracking, and then it's natural gas. And Turkey is ninety percent. Are import more than ninety percent are imported, and then the gas price is Russian controlled. It's very very expensive. So this imagine how much success we have fracking in the United States. They're trying to replicate there. The re, initial results last year was pretty good, and then they're going to test with another well. The, the well is drilling. Uh, that's likely will get the result by the end of this month. Uh, in addition, Transatlantic TAT has another well drilling in Bulgaria. That's one mm. actually could be the company maker because they've been to Bulgaria since 2011, 2012. Think how many years passed. They did all the preparation. They're going to drill the big, first big well. So if that well hit, they can potentially triple, as I, I mean triple its current oil production, which is uh-huh. over 3,000 a- barrels a day. Uh, that's the so Bulgarian uh, well that they're drilling, huh? That's Bulgarian yeah. well. If, if successful. Yeah. So then they will have all their cash flow. They can do whatever they want. But they also plan to, to drill well in Turkey uh, to frack that and see how, how it works on their concession. So it's like a kind of one, one stone for two birds. Heavy mm-hmm. insider purchase. You can see their chairman has been buying uh, left over right. I mean, he, he bought all the share he could buy, just uh, slightly below the current stock price, right? 103, mm-hmm. now it's 102, one, I mean, 105, 106. So you get a very little downsize and then a lot of upside. So I'm quite excited. I almost all of my energy stock has a huge catalyst. This is just immediate. Those two are immediate. I also have other Pan I have, uh, you know, may, many others. You know, Canical and Cap Energy. They all have a catalyst, but later in the year. I'm quite uh-huh. excited. You know, after brutal sell-off of oil price last year and this year, we have a little bit stability in oil. And uh, if my you know stock, my catalyst hit, will be very exciting. Most exciting year in, in energy stock. 
in energy. Very good. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on those. And what you're saying is the catalyst is very near for Valera Energy, by the way, at symbol VLE. And I saw it at $3.41 Canadian earlier in the day. Well, uh, Chen, with a couple of minutes left here, there's a couple of gold stocks that I know you and I both like. Irving Resources, it's an exploration company, uh, soon to start drilling in Japan. And another one, Maramont Resources, M-O-N-T, in Toronto, trades in Toronto. Um, Talk to us quickly about those two stories. Yes, of course. Uh, Those I really like those. They're the same uh, geo, right? The the founding geo, which is Quentin Hanning. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's with Novo. So uh, I know for the, I know for a matter of fact you're probably going to have some other guests discuss about that. The founders of Novo are also in those two stocks, and they're very mm-hmm. bullish of that. Remember how how well Novo did in last year, right? Tenfold, oh, yes. more than tenfold. Uh, so uh, they both company about to drill uh, and to start a very uh, exciting drilling program. Uh, Irving is in Japan. And, mm-hmm. and the mount is in Peru, right? So uh, both companies, if they hit, uh, there's a belief, at least belief from the large shareholder I have contact with, there will be at least five tenfold increase from now if they mm-hmm. hit. They're trading right now or about yeah. to. So, so that's, that's the thing. I have a relatively small position in both, uh, but I will be following them closely, right? So if mm-hmm. there's anything... Going on, if they really hit what they want to hit, this both stock can explode. Yeah, it's uh, some really high-grade targets. I know Irving has its eyes on, and the Merrimont story, I believe, is a very large gold-copper porphyry target in Peru. So, yes, those are some that Quentin Henning is very much involved with, and of course, you and I know Quentin and uh, think very highly of him, as most people do who have learned to know him. Uh, Chen, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking the time uh, to talk with us today. Great ideas, and we'll look to keep up with you and, and uh, maybe track some of these and some of your other exciting ideas as uh, as the year progresses. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure. All right, folks, uh, we do have to go to break. Don't go away, though, because Robert Moriarty will be with us. Boy, what an interesting fellow he is. Uh, you won't want to miss what he has to say, the unconventional views of Robert Moriarty coming up right after the break. Triumph Gold holds a 100% interest in the district-scale, free gold mountain, gold copper project in Yukon, with a government-maintained road accessing their 200-square-kilometer property. The 2018 drill program has resulted in exciting discoveries to date, hitting the richest intersection ever in a porphyry system in Yukon. The company is well-funded and has a large institutional holding, including Gold Corp and Zijin Mining. Triumph trades on the TSX Venture under the symbol TIG and the OTC markets TIGCF. The website is triumphgoldcorp.com. Gold Mining Inc., ticker symbol GOLD on the TSX and GLDLF on the OTC is the biggest bet for gold investors and legendary investors like Doug Casey, Rick Rule, and Marin Katusa, who put millions of dollars into backing the company, along with institutional investors. The insiders own over 20%. Gold mining has strong cash and no debt. It's one of the top 1% of gold companies that has over 20 million ounces of gold resources. Visit goldmining.com. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Robert Moriarty. Uh, I've known Bob uh, for quite a few years, and I've sat with him on, on a few panel discussions over the years at Cambridge House conferences in Vancouver and elsewhere, as well as in Chicago at least once. I know one of Rich Redez's conferences uh, in a Chicago suburb. Robert was born in New York in 1946. He uh, began training as a military pilot in 1965 and became the youngest naval aviator during the Vietnam War in 1966. With two years in Vietnam and some 832 missions in combat, he left the Marine Corps in 1970. He worked in computers for a few years before beginning a second career as a ferry pilot delivering small airplanes all over the world. He made over 240 ocean crossings mostly in single-engine airplanes. He holds 14 international aviation records. Bob and his wife, Barb, bought the, they brought the 321gold.com website uh, into being in 2012. They later added 321energy.com to cover oil, natural gas, gasoline, coal, solar, wind, etc. Uh, both sites feature articles, editorial opinions, pricing figures, and updates on current events, affecting both sectors, and I have to tell you that this very popular website is one that I have really become uh, found very, very useful to me every day. There's some really great articles. There's selective articles, and, you know, you can go to some websites. There are just so many articles you can't handle them all. You can't begin to read them, but uh, Robert and his wife are, are pretty careful, I think, about, and they're very selective, uh, and it's a website that I think is, if you're following the gold, uh, the precious metal sector, it's a must-read, and also, if you're in the energy sector, also very valuable, 321 Energy. Robert, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's a great pleasure, Jay. It's really good to have you with me, and I'm not sure why I haven't had you on before, but uh, we're talking to you from southern France, where you've decided to make a home. I know that you lived in the, I believe, in the, um, maybe in Bermuda or someplace like that for a while. You've traveled around, but... I guess you like it in southern France. Well, uh, the U.S. is getting a little too crazy. The U.S. is getting a little too crazy, and you're at sort of in the southern France, and as I as I understand it, not that far from, from Spain and not that far from the mountains, uh, and it looks like a very peaceful, lovely neighborhood or area of, I don't know your neighborhood, but you're generally speaking, I guess agriculture is pretty stronger. A lot of people raise their own food and so forth. Well, it's it's very much an agricultural area. We are literally in the base of the Pyrenees. We're about 20 miles north of Spain. It's a very mild climate. You can raise anything. The food's wonderful. The people are wonderful. We, we had lived in Grand Cayman for 10 years 
But, you know, if you look around at what's going on in the United States, if you're not scared, uh, you're not paying attention. And I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near ground zero. I, I hope we can go into it. We're going to talk about collapse, I know. But, but those idiots in Washington are about to blow the U.S. up financially. And it, it could happen in the next month. Well, it's certainly, you know, we've been talking about these things. And, of course, 2008, 2009, the wheels almost came off the global economy in total. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, things haven't gotten better. That's the problem. The, the, the underlying problems have never been addressed. They've only been papered over with more debt-based money, as you and I know. And we talk about this sort of thing, of course, in our – you talk about it frequently. And uh, – we, you know, it seems as though if you say they're not paying attention, I think that is probably the case, Bob. I think for the most part, most Americans aren't paying attention, and they're not being told that there's anything very severe to worry about. So if you read, if you just rely on the mainstream media, certainly um, you're going to be told that things are, you know, maybe they're not that great, but they're not that dire either. So let, uh, there was a, an article that you brought to my attention, Bob. Um, it was GNS Economics is a website, that, uh, and there's an article there by an author named Tumas Malian, and he's talking about the three uh, the three scenarios of the collapse, and he's uh, he's suggesting essentially that there's no way out of this mess. He's saying that scenario one is a global depression. That's the worst of the two. Uh, uh, well, the third option is we get through it somehow, which he which he says isn't going to happen. And the second uh, scenario is a systemic meltdown, which he says is even more precarious. Um, and, and he's suggesting that, um, that, that the credit ex- expansion uh, – well, well, let's hear your comments on it. So we've had this buildup in credit and debt. Let's call it debt because debt is growing exponentially and GDP almost anywhere you go is growing at best if it's growing at all in a linear fashion. Uh, it don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that you can't continue living on like that forever. And yet, I don't hear anybody at the Federal Reserve talking about anything very urgent. What are your thoughts? And why do you think, do you think, would you agree with Thomas uh, that in fact, uh, there is no way out of this mess? Uh, Yeah, I would. Okay. Uh, He talks about two primary scenarios, global depression and systemic meltdown. Uh-huh. Uh, and actually, nobody understands what happened in 2008. The wheels did come off the system, period. It yes. broke. The banks were insolvent. And, and since then, we've had this zombie banking system where the banks have done nothing but suck money from the Treasury and and uh, ultimately from taxpayers. But uh-huh. it's not a functional banking system. It is a dysfunctional banking system. And the debt has grown uh, in a curvilinear fashion. Now, the, I, I'm actually working on a book talking about how to invest in resource stocks. And I make a very important point in the book. All debt gets paid. It gets paid either by the borrower or it gets paid by the lender. And all governments in the world are spending money like drunk sailors pretending they don't have to pay the money. Well, they do have to pay the money. 
And what it really means is, and I believe the crash is going to be a systemic meltdown, uh, it means people's pensions aren't going to get paid. It means there isn't going to be any money for Medicare or Medicaid. Uh, the government gave away programs cradled to, to death, uh, taxation and benefits in the EU. It all has to stop. And the strange thing is, all of these issues are, are interconnected. It's not as simple as the banks are screwed up and they've, they're using fiat currency. The entire system is dysfunctional. And let's get into the yellow jackets. Yes. Crimes, because they actually demonstrate the problem. Now, here's what happened. On November 17th, a bunch of people put these yellow vests on. Every French vehicle is required to have safety vests. They're nothing but neon yellow vests. Mm-hmm. And they started protesting. It, 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 there was no leadership. There were, there were no specific demands other than they wanted a gas tax rescinded. Well, it grew totally out of control. It got bigger and bigger and bigger bigger, and there's 80,000 people a week all over France protesting. And the interesting thing is that exactly the same time, there were protests in Taiwan, there were protests in Canada, there were protests in Spain, there were protests in Brussels, there were protests in Israel. Now, what does that suggest to you? If all of these people are protesting, why are they protesting? Yeah. Um, why are they protesting? I mean, initially it was supposed to be because of the gas tax, but yeah, it's but, bigger but, than that. I think it's bigger. It's bigger. It, why are they protesting in Spain? Why right. are they protesting in Canada? Why are they protesting in Israel? What's going on that everybody's protesting? Um. I, I, I think they're maybe they're they're catching on to the fact that the system is broken, that it's uh, that it's that it's unfair, that it's uh, redistribution redistributing wealth from the people that earn it and create it to the people that control the system. Is that what's going on? Very good, it's, very good, exactly right. Here's what's happened before the internet. When Kennedy was assassinated, what did the media say? Well, the media said uh, it was a lone guy, a crazy guy, a Marxist who decided he was going to, he was just acting alone. Okay. When the Gulf of Tonkin incident took place in 1964, what did the media say? No, they just, uh, they bought the idea that, that we were attacked. Yes, exactly. Okay. When the internet came along, what it means is the elite who ruled the world have lost control of the narrative. And that's very important because once you lose control of the narrative, once there's alternative voices like you and me, people start listening to those voices and saying, hey, something's wrong. And they're demanding change. And the strange thing is, I wrote a book three years ago and I predicted there would be a worldwide revolution because the financial system. Uh Well, it has started, it's spread all over the world. And there's some very dangerous things going on. The uh, French uh, 
prime minister, not the president, Macron's president, but the French prime minister has authorized the police to start carrying fully automatic assault rifles. Yeah, I saw that in the news today, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. What is going to happen when some cop shoots up a bunch of protesters? It's going to be a bigger protest. It, it, it will go out of control immediately. Now, give you, let me give you one that's even scarier. Do you know what the SNAP program is? Uh, I'm not sure. Food stamps. Oh, okay. Big. Now, the problem with the government shutdown is food stamps get paid on the first of the month. They're good for a month. The, the problem with it is the government shut down and there are going to be no food stamps first February. But there was a provision passed into law where Congress said, well, uh, you, you can actually spend money, okay, up to a month after the shutdown starts. So the people in the food stamp program are actually getting paid on January 19th. Now, one of two things is going to happen. That's, that's the February payment. If the government is still shut down, what happens when the March payments do? No. People start going hungry. Yeah. Okay. 38 million Americans go without food. Okay. And I will guarantee you, if 38 million Americans uh, run out of food in March, there will be a revolution in March. But it's even scarier because those idiots in Washington do not realize what they've done. If you're on food stamps, and the food stamps are supposed to give you food for a month, what happens on the 28th and 29th and 30th day? What happens on it as well? We're in trouble. Well, you start running out of food. I mean, a lot of people have a problem using the food stamps and making it through the entire month. Now, if you have prepaid for February... Uh Uh-huh. On January 19th, and people are used to getting food for 30 days. Yeah. What happens on February 19th? Yeah. They run out of food. They run out of food, and there's uh, hell to be paid. Yeah, so it doesn't make any difference whether the government shutdown continues or it doesn't continue. We've got a problem. There are some issues that are so serious now. They're being utterly ignored by the mainstream media. That it's, it's very scary. Now, something bad is going to happen. We don't know if it's Deutsche Bank. We don't know if it's derivatives. We don't know if it's 38 million Americans rioting. We don't know if it's the yellow jackets getting shot up in Paris. We don't know. But when you go outside and it's gray and you look up expecting to see clouds, it's not clouds. It's a flock of black swans, and we don't know which particular black swan it's going to land. We just know with that damn many black swans, something bad's going to happen. Now, more than any time, I've been running its website for 18 years now, more than any time in 18 years, you, you need to be very careful. You need to be out of debt. You need to keep some food. You need to keep some cash. You need to have some gold and silver, and you need to be careful because we are going into very dangerous times. 
if we do have the systemic meltdown, and that's absolutely what I believe is going to happen, strange enough, the yellow vests have the solution. Um, yes, it's, uh, it is very disconcerting. I, I definitely uh, agree with you that we're in trouble. Um, the timing is hard to predict, but uh, as you're suggesting, it may not be very far away. Um, let's let's. Do you think this is really related to a lot of the other things that's been going on? Then, of course, the uh, Brexit, uh, Donald Trump in the U.S. You've got movements in Germany, France. You hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Here's what it is, Jay. It's control of the narrative. Yeah. Now, if you go back to when people had clans, okay, you had the guy running the clan. And then you had the prince, and then you had the king, and you had the pope, and, and you had to have some other group. And then eventually you had presidents, you had prime ministers. They controlled the narrative. Right, People right. They believed what they were told because they didn't have any other information. But with the Internet, people do have information. They can communicate worldwide. Now, I'll be real candid. I don't know how you and I are talking and it doesn't cost any money. Now, mm-hmm. I was a systems program, okay? I did that for 20 years. I was working for Ross Perot back in 1972, and I don't know how you and I are talking, and we're doing it for free. It's magic, okay? But it means that people can communicate with each other, and they can learn things. They don't have to listen to the media. Now, let's be candid. Trump looks like an idiot. Pelosi looks like an idiot. The Washington Post looks like a bunch of fools. The New York Times looks like it's run by clowns, okay? Uh, Theresa May just lost her vote. Uh, uh, The UK is supposed to leave the EU on the 19th of March, and they just voted it down, okay? Uh, there, There are problems in Germany. There's problems in Sweden, and it's all related, and it has to do with control of the narrative, the people are figuring out they've been lied to, they've been screwed. The 1%, the crony capitalists, are stealing from them, and they're angry. Mm-hmm. And that has to change. It's strange enough. Let's get to it. The yellow vests have a solution, and it's called the Citizens Incentive Referendum. And what they're saying is what we need to do is we need to do the same thing that Oregon does, and California does, and Italy does, and Switzerland does. We need to have the citizens sign petitions on the things that they want to vote on. Now, in 2016, somebody got 50,000 signatures in Switzerland on a guaranteed basic income. And the entire country of Switzerland voted on, do we want a guaranteed basic income where every Swiss citizen would be given 2,500 euros a month. And the strange thing is that the Swiss looked at it and said, well, somebody's got to pay for that. We don't <laughs> want to do that. So 77% of the people voted the issue down. The, the, the way of getting control of government is to go back to direct democracy where the small people, the little people, the people who are being stolen from and ignored, have a say in what goes on. And I I believe that's going to happen. 
that is so, a solution. It seems to be happening as sort of a decentralization of government, uh, I would say, and you can see the the sort of the frazzling of of this structure in the U.S. as well. Bob, you know, we're almost out of time. My engineer is telling me we only have three minutes. Um, we wanted to talk to you about Novo Resources, uh, Irving, Tri- Irving Resources and Miramont Resources. We don't have time for all of them. How about a comment or two uh, with two minutes left uh, on Novo? Okay, Novo is a unique deposit made up of two parts. There is the conglomerate gold story, which is a very unique project. There is nothing like it in the world. The gold is almost impossible to measure because it's nuggety. The other part of the picture is the alluvial golds at Edgina. Those are very easy to mine, very high grade, very low cost, cost to mine. But the problem with Edgina is it's both very hot and there's no water. So Quentin literally has spent years trying to figure out how do you sample gold that's impossible to measure, which is what they have in the conglomerate gold, and how do you produce gold, uh, alluvial gold, in a dry environment. And he has solutions. There's going to be a lot of good news coming out of Novo. It is a great story. And I congratulate you for being uh, early on and and telling your readers. Well, early on, you were earlier than I. And, uh, Bob, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We've got to do this more often because I think you have way too many things to tell our listeners that aren't being heard by them. And, and your books, too. I, I need to go back and review some of your books and, and look at some of those, and maybe we have you come on and talk about those. The one you just mentioned, uh, you had written a couple of years ago, sounds like something that was would really be of great interest to us. Uh, I see I've got a few seconds left. And the, with regard to Novo, is part of the solution here, uh, do you think, Bob, is going to have to do with the separation technology that Quinton's been talking about? Yes, absolutely. The the Tomra machines work. They are not suitable for the alluvials. However, they're highly suitable for the conglomerate gold, and they are a marvelous solution. But you're what you're telling me, and I know that you speak to Dr. Quinton frequently, that we're going to have some news out on on this uh, very soon. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for your time, Bob. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to have you back on uh, to talk about things more often. That's I, If you're willing to come on, I'd love to have you. Thank you so much for, for being with us today. Hey, did, did you really say I was opinionated? <laughs> we like opinionated people. Uh, you know, other, Otherwise, most people just go along with whatever they're supposed to think, and uh, they don't think for themselves. So somebody said, if everyone's thinking the same thing, nobody's thinking. So I think that's what's going on. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, we do have to leave it go at that. Uh, folks, uh, next week, uh, Jayant Barandi uh, Bandari is going to be with me. Uh, he's a hedge fund manager from India, and he's in Canada and the U.S. a lot. Uh, but we'll be talking to him and Michael Oliver as well and, and possibly a surprise guest. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. rush has begun. 
Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Often referred to as one of the best teams in junior gold exploration, having discovered a 5 million ounce gold mine and sold a second company amidst discovery, the management behind Orin Resources now has a world-class exploration portfolio within Canada and Peru. Projects that give the company one of the largest direct pipelines for major discoveries globally, with one of the deepest technical teams to explore them. Entering into its third year of aggressive pursuit, Orin is expecting results from two of their major projects throughout the rest of this year. For the latest, head to orinresources.com and subscribe.